0: Hey, what's up everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to anyone who is currently listening here with me. I hope you're all having an amazing time and excited for today's episode with Mindset Up. It is going to be a fun chat that I will have with all of you, so please make sure to relax yourself and enjoy the ride with me. Today, my guest is a very special person who was not only my teacher, but also a good friend, a great mentor, and a good, inspirational person. Human relationships is one of his core values in life, that he invests a lot of his time in it. Please, everybody, welcome my good friend, Peter Ritkowski, to Mindset Up. Thank you, Rafi, so much. It's, it's great to be here. It's all a pleasure, brother. So brother, uh, why don't we take a quick intro of you to, so our audience also know who is Peter Witkowski, what he's doing for a living.
1: Well, I work at Leaf Academy. I mm-hmm. uh, was one of those people that were fortunate enough to be around when Leaf Academy was being created. So uh, we had uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun and it was incredibly interesting to be actually creating a school out of, out of basically nothing. Um, So that has been almost seven years now that I've been working for LEAF. And before that, I taught in in South Africa for a year. Um, I taught here at one of the universities in Bratislava, worked in international trade. Um, I spent a year in Colombia uh, working for the Red Cross and uh, traveled around a little bit. Mm-hmm. and
0: uh, So, you know, just doing what makes, uh, what makes sense and what makes me happy. Interesting. bro. you just, uh, the way that you just described, also gave your intro that you have traveled a lot. You have like, uh, you were also teaching in South Africa. Then you also came back to Slovakia. And now Leaf Academy, this new school is here. It seems like for you, life is like mostly about experiences. You just love to like experience things a lot. So I just want to know uh, what, what are these experiences teaching you? Why would you like? Are uh, you like so much keen always that I have to go experience new things and do new things? What these experiences have done to you so far? For me, humanity is is incredibly
1: interesting because we are all human, and at the same time, there are so many differences on the surface. Look somebody in China, and they look different from somebody in in Zimbabwe, and different from somebody in Peru, and and it's not just how they look, but how they behave, how um, how they see life, what kind of values they Mm -hmm. have, etc., etc. And so I'm almost, it's almost like I'm looking for what unites us. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a little bit beneath these differences, and that's difficult to do unless you actually go to a different place and stay there for, for some time to get to know the people and to understand how they think. Not perfectly, because you know even a year is not enough for that, but at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And suddenly then, what that allows you to do is to see through those superficial differences you know, and and find what's actually important for a person regardless of where they come from, but what is it that that is important for us as humans, as a species? Mm-hmm. Is it that we're seeking love? Is it that we're seeking acceptance? Is it that we are all seeking to leave some mark on the world? Um, and for me, that has, has a lot of practical implications, because then it helps me to build my life around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I can sort of synthesize uh, how things are done around, uh, around the world
0: and... And it helps me to find things that make sense for me mm-hmm. so based on uh, the way you describe humanity and also you said how much these experiences mean to you and what it is doing for you i'm also saying that i wouldn't i'm not surprised now why you joined leaf academy high school which brings all these internationals also like people from the slovakia and you because this is like i think uh, the third graduation of LEAF Academy, right? Which will happen this year, third or fourth? It's gonna be fourth, yeah. It's gonna be fourth, yeah. So that means fourth generation of LEAF Academy already graduated, but more and more are coming. So you get to meet a lot of people. I think this this is also like one of the mission of LEAF to connect people and bring people and also so those people with different uh, cultures, they can offer uh, additional values to each other. Yeah, that also wouldn't be something. Right, you, uh, from how I know you, you are dedicating a lot of your energies, a lot of your time, so this is based on my observation, to human relationship. I feel like also, also you already touched on it. You already said that uh, it's about getting to know people, the, the values they're bringing, and what makes us united as, as a human. So, and also you see, I see that besides all the other things that you have in life, this is also one of your most important emphasis, like human relationship, you're dedicating a lot of your time with these students here as well. So, I just want to want you to dig a little bit deeper in that and tell me why is it really, really so much important for you that sometimes you even sacrifice Other things that you're supposed to do or your role is there to do but you still come back to human relationship and you spend so much time with that what is it there for you?
1: I think it's all based on how I see how I see life and and how I see world uh, around us because ultimately what is what is important Um, and and I've been trying to answer that question for myself and Right now, my best understanding is that it's important to leave this world a little bit better than when you came into it. Mm-hmm. And now, there are many ways how you can do that. You know, some people uh, you know, raise children of their own and, mm-hmm. and, and raise them really well. Right? Others will build uh, a great company that will uh, improve the lives of people around them yet others will create um, fantastic NGOs uh, or work for them and and help, uh, you know, directly. And for me, the pathway that makes the most sense to me is to try and help or support people in their growth as much as possible, people around me. The, The funny thing is that... It always comes back, it's almost like everything that we do comes back to the person, to the human. Mm-hmm. You know? We create some structures here at, at our school so that people can grow better. You know? We know, do um, some, <laughs> I don't know, we have meetings and, mm-hmm. and you create documents or whatever you do in order for people to have a better experience. But ultimately, when you're faced with doing that sort of indirect impact and indirect work but then when you have somebody 20 meters away from you who you see might need a little bit of support at that moment or might be might be sad or, or maybe is going through something in their lives that is the direct impact that's what you see mm-hmm. and, and for me it's 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 quite valuable to be able to actually have that direct connection with people so that we can help each other because it's two ways Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always two ways to be able to help each other to be able to enjoy each other's presence mm-hmm. so it's not all filtered through a screen filtered through a document filtered through a system
0: but but so that the human experience there is is a so to speak
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you have you have like mentioned a lot of things about the value of why you're doing this but uh, i just want to also ask you what, what kind of feelings or things you're getting out of it like is it the, is it like the joy that you're getting when you're interacting a lot with with humans around you or let, let's not always say humans Let's say with the, with all the students around you with all the people that you know And is it do, do you like enjoy this? Do, is it like uh, I just want to know about your feelings like what kind of feelings you're getting out of all this human interaction you do mm-hmm.
1: It's it's a <laughs> It's a medley of feelings really um, <laughs> You know, most most important conversations they do tend to happen and at, at ridiculous hours. So um, at one a.m. at two a.m. you know somebody somebody comes and we talk. Uh, so one feeling is definitely tiredness and exhaustion. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Mm. But but ultimately, it's I don't I wouldn't call it joy because to me joy is something more immediate and more. So I, I have, you know, I experience joy when I eat a piece of steak. But, but the feeling that I get from human interaction is deeper than that and more long-lasting. So I might call it happiness, perhaps, um, because it's, it's a, it's, it works on multiple levels uh, for me. One is uh, the fact that I'm being useful, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, a, that's one of the basic human needs um, that... I actually believe that all of us share in a way, but for sure, I feel it. And so if I'm being useful, then that makes me happy because then uh, what I do, my life has a meaning of some Mm -hmm. kind. Um, That's one. The second one is that, you know, you see somebody maybe struggling, and then a couple of days later, you see them struggling less. And, And to me, that's such a fantastic fantastic feeling, again, of, of happiness, of, of thinking, wow, okay, something something happened, something good. You know? And then it's building trust. And for me, trust is incredibly important. If I can trust people around me, if I can feel comfortable, if I can feel like I don't have to, um, you know, be wearing a mask around the people that, that I'm surrounded with, uh, that... Makes, makes my life much, much better. And, and I would hope that also the people around that share this, this trust. So, so that's another aspect. And, uh, and I think ultimately it comes down to almost creating a, a family. And, and, and the word family is, is somewhat overused. And uh, sure, there's a hundred people in our residence and, and 20 on our hall. So you know, it will be a very big family. Mm-hmm. But it is it is to a certain extent that uh, you're creating relationships with people that you feel good good around. You spend time together. You cook together. You eat together. You, mm-hmm. you talk together. I mean, if that doesn't describe the family, then I don't know what does. Yeah.
0: What's uh, also like very interesting for me to hear from you is that uh, as uh, you're you're in a place like Leaf Academy, which we already mentioned that they're they're going to graduate the fourth generation. So these students or these people that you just call them, that you're creating a strong bond with them, that they turn into a family to you. And then they're going to leave at some point. They're gonna, I know it's very sad. It's, uh, it's actually also my experience from leave that when I was uh, coming to the end, I was f- not really having good times like at those last days of my uh, my time here because I was thinking, okay, so now, I spent here four years. I had such a good time. I created, just like you described it, like strong bonds, the strong people who became my family. So how I'm going to now deal with not seeing them? Because we're, we're all now going to different places with different purposes. For me, what's interesting to know from you is that how do you deal with that? And also, like, how does this make you feel? Because this is, for me yeah, it is a family, but isn't it like sort of a temporary family that you're there for a while, then they're going to leave? How does this always make you feel?
1: I'll tell you a story. Sure. When I was 16, I, I went to the U.S. for a year, uh, just an exchange program, really. And uh, and my parents supported me in that quite, quite a lot, and, and they did all they could uh, to, to make sure that I could go, and what I didn't know at the time was that my mom had the last, whatever, you know, 20 euros in the account when she bought that suitcase for me so that I could actually go. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and they did all of that, knowing that I would be away from them for a year. You know, and these are my biological parents who I had been with for 16 years, right? So imagine the strength of that bond. Mm-hmm. And yet they let me go and they supported me because they understood that trying to keep me at home would actually be selfish, because I would be stripped of certain opportunities to grow more. And so in the long run, everybody would be worse off. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel very similarly with with people people around me, with, with leafers, because, yeah, of course it's sad when people leave, and uh, it would be hypocritical to say that I create the same bond with every single student here. It's, that's not right. With mm-hmm. some people, you just grow closer. With some people, with some people less close. And so, especially those people that you grow closer with, when they leave and then you've been seeing them for four years every single day and then suddenly you don't, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a heartbreak. Yeah. It always mm-hmm. is a little bit of a heartbreak. But again, what one has to ask is, what is the purpose? And the purpose is not for you know, Pete to uh, be cozy and comfortable and have uh, people around that he likes. But the purpose is for people to grow and to be supported and to go on to live their lives in a way that makes them proud of the kind of life mm-hmm. they're, they're living. And uh, and hopefully that kind of life is a life that makes sense to them and that's meaningful for them. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, and so yes, it's sad, and and um, and I'm always happy when people stay around like like you did, you mm-hmm. know. And, and so we can meet uh, from time to time, and you know, go mushroom hunting or whatever it is, <laughs> and and that's that's always fantastic. Yeah. But also people that you know I end up seeing them once a year at, at a reunion. Um, always happy that they were a part of this experience. They were a part of my life. I was a mm-hmm. part of theirs. Hopefully, we have influenced each other in a positive way. And now they're capitalizing on that experience. They're growing more. And they're using that experience, um, together with many others, to do cool things and to do much mm-hmm. cooler things that they would do had they stayed here. Yeah. So, so that
0: makes me happy as well in the long run.
1: Mm-hmm. In the short run, of course, it's sad.
0: And I, I believe uh, with those who is living a little bit away from you, like let's say they're in other countries, I think you're still try, trying to uh, make, make sure that you're in touch with them. For sure. For sure. Like,
1: luckily, you know, Facebook, Facebook works for old people like me. <laughs> and, uh, and fortunately also for, for young people,
0: still there is an overlap. So, yeah. so communication <laughs> exists. Yeah. Nice. I think you're busy a lot with Facebook, interacting, chatting with all the people around you.
1: You know what? Right now, during the uh, during the lockdowns, mm. when everybody is remote, it has to a certain extent taken taken the place of, of in-person conversations. Yeah. So I don't use Facebook as such. I just do Messenger mm-hmm. because, well, that's that's the communication tool that I need. But it's just definitely a couple of hours per day that I spend on it mm-hmm. because that's the couple hours that I would normally spend by talking to people who just come. Uh, you know,
0: through the door and I yeah. talk to you. So. Do you, you, so brother, you have uh, talked a lot, and this is also like, I think for myself, very clear about your your emphasis on human interaction and the one that you have been just describing. Were you like this since childhood or, or there is something that happened in your life and you just became the person who you are today? How did you become <laughs> this? Uh, I don't know if if I can call it people-orientated person, like how what happened there? That's a
1: fantastic question. Um, naturally, I'm a I'm a introverted person, fairly strongly actually. I'm a fairly strong introvert. If I wanna if I wanna relax, I'll just uh, uh, you know go into the forest for eight hours, like I did today, and, mm-hmm. and I'll just walk around with a basket, maybe find some mushrooms, maybe <coughs> want, listening to my to my playlist, and, uh, and and that that's relaxed for me. Or I'll take a book and I'll just read a book. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't go to a party to relax, that's exhausting, um, and, so, and so I was a, a fairly introverted kid, and then maybe at around 13, I think, uh, 13, 14, whatever, I started slowly kind of talking to people more and, and even, even initiating um, interactions. And the reason was that I was starting to feel lonely and I was trying to look for people around that could create a certain type of um, I don't know to call it, relationship, friendship, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that almost became a habit um, because I, I kept it then in... As I, as I continued high school and then I came to the university and it, and, it, and I started enjoying it. I, I found that it actually brings a lot of meaning to me. So it started as a maybe maybe a coincidence or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it.
0: And, and then it just grew. Wow. Yeah, because, uh, from, because while you were talking, I was also thinking, who is the other person that I know with, that is a little bit similar to you? Investing this much time in on human interaction because what you're doing is uh, Beside the, the, how much time you dedicate and what it means to you It's also like a huge investment of your life that you're doing making sure that you're in touch with people You talk to them you manage to solve your problem. It's like a very very interesting thing that I'm hearing about you and and also like from how I know you so let me also tell to the audience, but maybe you can also uh, elaborate further Pete is also a very hyperactive person. Pete is also a kind of Pete. I mean, you mentioned earlier that there are people who actually come to you and they speak with you at 1 a.m., and you're still there for them. And you, and I assume you're still trying to be active even when you're tired. And uh, so, w- from where all this energy is coming? Like, uh, <laughs> should, if you if you like, you can also tell about your sleep history. <laughs> like, <laughs> First of all, okay, before we get there, how is your sleeping life, like? especially when you're around people? Do you sleep enough?
1: Um, What is enough? I don't know.
0: So Um, what what does enough mean to you, enough sleep? So I'll say it this way.
1: Um, When I don't need to be waking up or going to bed late, Mm -hmm. I do sleep eight hours. Naturally my body will take eight hours. What does
0: eight hours mean to you? Is it like a good amount of sleep? Is it like too much?
1: That means I wake up on my own. I wake up in the morning and I'm roughly, you know, uh, rested and stuff. So, so that's my natural kind of Mm -hmm. rhythm. Those eight hours plus or minus, huh? But I can function on much less than that long-term. I don't know if for decades, but definitely for years. And uh, so often when, when there's people around, I end up doing four or five hours per night. Um, and that's, I don't know if it's the average, but that's that's quite common, quite, mm-hmm. quite standard. Sometimes I get to do six, which I'm like, Phew, wow, <laughs> I'm, uh, it's, it's holidays or something, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it doesn't really affect me much, to be honest. It doesn't affect my mood. It um, doesn't affect um, my focus Mm-hmm. What it does affect is my ability to drive uh, long uh, long hours because I start falling asleep so I try to avoid that. Um, and uh, what it also affects is obviously my ability to stay awake so mm-hmm. uh, you can see me. You don't take coffee right? I don't I don't drink coffee no. So you can see me sometimes sitting in my in my office chair and uh, taking a yeah. 15 minute nap. Um, so, so that's what happens when I'm sleep deprived but I, I don't take coffee, I don't drink. I don't, I don't use any sort of uh, wakefulness enhancers or anything like that. I think if my body really needs to shut down and sleep, it should shut down and sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I don't want to push it you know, beyond a certain point. Um, and so, um, so, yeah, that's my sleeping schedule. You ask where I take the energy from. I uh, guess food is one of the good <laughs> answer to that. I, I just love food. You're a food person as well, right? Person. I'm a foodie. Uh-huh. I'm a foodie. I, I love all kinds of things. Meat is, is is fantastic, but you know, also the occasional veggie is passable. And and um, and it, it energizes me. It gives me mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of a lot of strength through things.
0: Yeah, because uh, uh, because I was mostly. T- worried about or thinking about your sleep because you you mentioned that okay so my sleep is sometimes going up and down but still i am energetic still i am there and from my experience yes actually i i cannot say that there were like moments that i saw that oh pete did not have enough sleep and that's why he's like that i never managed to to see the difference so yeah it was very interesting for me to see how come you're still managing things but from your response, it was mostly that you have this natural ability. That you can go without sleep. Not without, but with less sleep. With little sleep,
1: yeah, possibly. Um, I, I used to sleep quite normally as a, as a teenager. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, even, even in high school, I, you know, my parents would just send me to bed at some mm-hmm. point. So uh, there was no extremes there. Um, at university, I started working um, multiple jobs, to put it that way university then i was in the student government and then one ngo and and then i was working full-time pretty much on top of that so uh, that full-time work was online so that usually took part took place you know in the evenings and and Mm -hmm. at night so sometimes i would have to go the whole night without sleeping just to be able to deliver stuff by the deadline sometimes but that was very rare two nights in a row Mm -hmm. Uh, so i just i just learned how to push myself to to do it because you just cannot go to sleep because you have a deadline and you have to deliver. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, a client is not going to be happy, and then you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe that's where the the habit came, or the the idea that it's even possible to do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it only started in my early twenties or late late teens.
0: Since then, you you were starting to get this ability to stay hyperactive and not be that much... uh, You're not relying that much on the sleep to give you energy because for for people like me, actually sleep is an important thing and if I don't sleep for let's say more than like six or seven hours, I'm not going to talk to anyone. Interesting. I'm not going to be active (laughs) on that. Seriously, this is... And I'm also a coffee person and I drink coffee every single day because sometimes even with eight hours of sleep, I feel like in the morning I'm a little bit dizzy so that coffee brings me back and when I... And also, like, I don't think if I have this as much as you do. Like, I feel like, and, and you're interacting with a lot of people. So this is very, very interesting that you're not taking coffee. You're still having little sleep, but you're still hyperactive.
1: You know what? In fact, after I, I don't sleep, um, let's say that I an that I 21 lighter, the next day, I'm, s- I'm actually more energized than I, than I would be normally. I, I feel sharper, I feel, like, funnier and everything, and and then, of course, at about 3 or 4 p.m. after I had lunch, then I crash, and then <laughs> I, I will start falling asleep uh, in, on my chair and stuff, but the morning and early lunch, I yeah. so much energy,
0: it's fantastic. Yeah, you also, do, you said you're taking those short naps throughout the day. Well, I just if fall asleep. I mean, I fall asleep. Yeah, the body doesn't
1: ask, the body <laughs> just does.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to bring you back to this like human interaction, because I feel like this is one of the very interesting things to find out more about you. Uh, so since you're in a place, I'm talking about Leaf Academy, in, in a community that you guys have students from different ages. And also you have programs like year one, year two, year three, year four. So that means you're uh, having students from age 14, 15 up to like 19, 20, right? Even sometime maybe older so i believe that you're interacting also like with different ages every day every night like anytime that you're talking with them and a lot of times i i feel like that when you talk to them you also need to prepare yourself that hey i'm actually talking to a 17 year old kid or i'm talking to a 15 year old kid so i can't have the conversation that i had yesterday with 20. so how do you deal with this kind of thing when you're interacting every day with different ages with different group of people
1: um, so there's there's a certain basis, um, and the basis for me, in all interactions really, doesn't matter who it's with, uh, is one, respect for the person, and two, is listening. Because if you respect the person, then... You suddenly find it much easier not to judge what they're saying, not to not to find the stuff they're saying ridiculous because oh my god, but I'm 37 and this is easy, and how come that this 14 or 15 year old doesn't know it? You know mm-hmm. that, that doesn't happen because you respect the person and you understand that they're going through their path, their journey, and uh, you know they they've been at it for a shorter time, huh? and um, and and listening is important because if you want to be helpful to a person you need to understand where they're standing where they're what they're coming from and you cannot understand it by looking at them you can only understand it by actually listening and and what i do remember uh, my memory is horrible by the way but but i do remember certain things from my from my childhood or i guess adolescence if you want to call it that and those keep on shaping what i do even now one of the things I remember from then is how 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 angry it made me when when adults were like "Oh you'll understand it once you're older or uh, listen to me because I'm older and I know better you know I'm wiser and I always thought that does, that doesn't feel right doesn't make mm-hmm. sense sure you, you know they have some experience so they can see certain things I can't but but it's also vice versa I can see certain things that they cannot mm-hmm because they've already gone through a certain journey, because they already have certain macro view of life, they might be missing on the particulars, on the details. For them, it might be nothing that somebody posted something about them, okay, whatever people post, yeah? But for me, it might be a, a heartbreaking event in my yeah. day, right? And it's real, because I feel it. Mm. Yeah? That experience of a 14-year-old, or a 17-year-old, or a 20-year-old is no less real than the experience of a 37-year-old or an 80-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's just different, but it's no less real. And so, what I want to make sure is that I can always, to the largest extent possible, sort of empathize with, with where the person is. It's not always easy, because you forget how you thought 20 years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thinking has changed in the meantime we are humans and as humans we have this wonderful ability to understand each other that's why language exists wow you know that's why that's mm-hmm. why that's why we can we can feel what the other person feels at least partially. and so on the basis of those two things the interactions they they are different with a 14 year old and a 7 year old and a 20 year old mm-hmm. for sure but that difference doesn't really have to come from me. I don't have to now artificially think, okay, so there's a 14-year-old, so let's turn the 14-year-old conversation app on and, uh, and let's start talking to them in a different kind, of, uh, different kind of language or different kind of way. The difference comes from them. Mm-hmm. Because they will come to me with different issues. They will have a different level of, of vulnerability they want to they wanna show they have different different comfort zone when it comes to um, now talking about about certain topics, right? They will their um, their thinking will be different. So when I ask questions, you know, the responses will be different, mm-hmm. and they will they will guide the conversation in a certain way that I need to be sensitive to. Because if I start pushing things that are not coming from them, then it will either feel alien or or Basically, what makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's actually quite quite interesting. Sometimes it's it's almost like trying to find a way how to how to reach a person. And it's not just age that impacts that, but it's also mm-hmm. what we spoke about before. You know, where the person yeah. is coming from, and, and not just geographically, but also you know the kind of family they're from, the kind of experiences they've had, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's incredibly difficult, and, and sometimes I fail, and and, uh, and that happens, and it's sad, mm-hmm. but it happens.
0: Uh, you just mentioned the word fail, which uh, made me to think about your view on failure, because you're, I assume, I also think you're in a place where, like, uh, people, because you're in an educational Community. people are here to learn things not only uh, like experiencing things but also academically and also I think we are uh, these people are in this stage of sometimes making mistakes and uh, you're also there seeing them making mistakes and stuff so and also maybe sometimes they might fail on their projects and other stuff so what is your view of failures when the like people at those ages they're committing and they're just losing themselves so much what would be like a message that you would like to tell them?
1: You know, when we were building the beef, we were building it on a couple of core assumptions. And those assumptions included, one, that we want to help people change the society for the better. And if you want to change something, You need to try a lot of things. Because change is not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But trying a lot of things means failing in almost all of them, except for that one thing that will actually end up working. Mm -hmm. And so the the underlying principle there is that we believe that people grow and people learn. And I believe that uh, very, very, very strongly. And so, to me, failure is part of learning simple as that that's why even the way that this school is structured is not to shield people from failure it's not to it's not to protect people from failure hopefully it will protect them from catastrophic failure Mm -hmm. okay catastrophic failures are not great because they destroy a lot but general failures smaller ones they help us learn, and especially, you know, if, if I do something that hurts me, then then I learn next time. Like, ah, okay, I should probably do that because the last time I did it, I don't know, I ended up uh, having to talk to Pete for three hours, which is which is very painful, and and, and maybe, <laughs> very painful. <laughs> and maybe then I had to pay for the window that I broke or whatever it is. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. but but I learn, and that's that. Sometimes, you know. The, the first instinct when people want to help others is, or support others, is let me carry you somewhere. Okay? Mm-hmm. You'll know, see, this is the, the huge mountain that I want you to climb, and so let me take you on my back and let me carry you there. But what do we, have we achieved? So now there's two people in the mountain. You've done the work of two. And next time that person wants to climb a mountain, they, don't, they won't know how. Yeah. So you need to walk next to them, maybe mm-hmm. behind them, whatever it is. But they have to do the walking. Mm-hmm. and walking up a mountain means sometimes you slip on a stone and you you know you you break the skin on your knee and that's what happens so okay so maybe you patch it up mm-hmm. maybe you help that person understand that uh, you know the broken knee will, will heal and maybe you'll just encourage the person to keep on walking and the person keeps on walking mm-hmm. and so so it's always the person who who, who has to do that Work because it's their life. You won't be there forever. They need to learn how to manage their own life, how to manage their own dreams, their own aspirations, their own uh, their own uh, minds. Because all of our minds are different. They need to learn how to work with themselves, how to how to um, gauge where their limits are, uh, how to find ways how to keep productive for example different for everybody and there's a lot of trying a lot of
0: exploring and a lot of failing included mm-hmm. in all of that i see and that's very interesting thing you said especially the mountain example that you used. like it's very because yeah like the way you said it because i i see that you're you're a teacher you're also like someone who is there for a lot of people interacting with a lot of people so it was very interesting for me to see how do you see failures because i feel like Sometimes when also people come to you, they want to discuss your failures and they want to get your opinion on that, how they should approach and go with it. Can we, uh, for a while, get you a little bit back to your early life, early childhood life? Because I'm very interested to know how was Little Pete looking like? (laughs) What was he like? So
1: Little Pete was very scared of failing, actually. Incredibly scared of, of doing anything wrong. I was always a goody child you know um, never never got in trouble with the teachers always brought like straight A's never never broke the rules um, always wanted to wanted to uh, make sure that the you know that everybody's happy with what I'm doing you know happy with me and stuff. Um, and at some point that started feeling very heavy because trying to make sure that you meet everybody else's expectations um, gets you in trouble sooner or later because people will have conflicting expectations of you and strangely enough those expectations will not always meet the expectations that you have of yourself. Mm. And So at some point um, things started clicking for me and I was already in my early 20s actually when I finally realized that, okay, you know what, this is actually my life and, and I need to start living it according to what I see as meaningful, and where, where I see that my life can perhaps make a difference somewhere. Because if I don't, then I will wake up one day as a 65-year-old, freshly retired. Mm-hmm. My, my productive life will be almost over. I will look back at it And there's no reload. There are no save games here. That's the one life that you get. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that will happen is that I will end up being very unhappy and very bitter, probably. And even the people that wanted you to live a certain life will be unhappy because you're unhappy, because they probably care about you in a way. So sometimes going your own way, actually, is the kindest thing that you can do to the people that care about you.
0: You came to that realization, you said, at your early twenties, twenty-three ish, perhaps. I mean, it it wasn't like
1: a one day you know wake up and you yeah. have it. Mm-hmm. It had been it had been growing and sort of ripening, but but it was I was around twenty-three when I finally decided to to implement
0: that. Mm-hmm. So you've talked a lot about like human interactions and also like how, for also like from how I know you, like when we get into trouble or when we have a problem. So Pete is there. <laughs> Pete is the is the God that we know at that time. Maybe we, we first go pray to God, and then the second God is Pete that we come and we also want to know. We are basically coming to confess and get some something from you. So how do you deal with your own problems? To whom do you go, on, and how do you deal with them? With your own struggles.
1: Yeah. Um, that's a that's actually a good good question. Um, there are, fortunately, um, there are still a couple of people that I, uh, I think I can talk to pretty much about anything, which does tend to get rarer and rarer as you grow old, <clears throat> but um, there, there are a couple of people from, uh, let's say, from college that, that I still talk to quite a lot. And we discuss even deep things, not just like, oh, how are you? How was your job today? That's fantastic. Can you please connect me to this person? But actually things <laughs> you know, uh, about life. Um, and so that helps. That for sure is one. And then uh, you know, there, there's a lot of great people here, uh, both students and colleagues. And so uh, there are some colleagues that we'll discuss things with. But honestly, uh, there are some students that I will, that I will share even, even things that worry me with, Mm -hmm. because again, it's about the respect we, you know, if, if I want other people to feel comfortable sharing their struggles with me, then I need to also find it in me to share my struggles with them. I don't want to overwhelm people with, oh, you know, Pete is now, you know, super unhappy or something like that. That doesn't really happen that much. But but it's always, again, a two-way street. You know? If I share something with you, then I'm giving you that trust. Mm-hmm. And so then it might be easier for you to share something with me and to give that trust back to me. Yeah? Because now it, it sort of connects us. So, so you know, with, with, there are things that, uh, that I'm thinking about or wondering about or worried about or, or things that are making me particularly unhappy at a, at a given moment. I, you know sometimes we share it with with other people in the hall and um, mm-hmm. and it's actually quite nice you know sometimes they um, sometimes they um, uh, they they want to take care of me in, in return mm-hmm. and and that's a very interesting position because instinctively you want it to be like no 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 you don't need to take care of me it's fine you know i I'm big, I'm strong, you know, I'm the one taking care of you. You shouldn't be taking care of me. But then, when I think about it, and if I really believe that we do respect each other and that this needs to work both ways, then why shouldn't other people take care of me sometimes as well? And then I let them. Because I also want others to have to experience the feeling of helping somebody else like me, for example. Because then they can feel good. And they can remember like, oh, you know, it felt really nice when I was able to help somebody. And maybe they'll do it in the future more. Mm-hmm. And, and also it humbles me. It keeps me from becoming a complete arrogant uh, person. Mm-hmm. Because... If you pretend that you're the strongest around and that you're always the one on the mountain and everybody else is just somewhere around you and under you, and then you're the one, you know, throwing wisdom and throwing support at them, then it can get into your head very quickly. You can start feeling like, oh, you know, what do these people have to offer me? But if you actually experience the fact that sometimes you are the one who is down, and people, even if it's your students, are the ones above you because they are helping you right now, they are supporting you. Then, for me at least, it keeps things real. It keeps the interaction to be a really a human interaction, interaction of two human beings, three, four, five, whatever it is. Yeah? And um, and I like that very much.
0: Mm-hmm. You're you're also like. Uh, so, so I believe like there is still uh, like a lot of things that uh, you've gone through, you've experienced, and now, for example, you're not only a teacher, that you're also like I th- I believe you're also expert in a lot of other areas. So that's why I wanted to go back to your early childhood. That what was it uh, like for you, and how what did you want to do? So uh, at your childhood, what were you always hoping to become in the future? What was your Favorite hall, like imagination or anything you wanted to do?
1: So I loved school. I always loved school. Um, I don't know. It it just made sense to me. I loved learning new stuff and and I would just read encyclopedias. My parents would buy me an encyclopedia. I would read it. Not like, I'm interested in weather, so let me look at weather. No, I would just read it from page one until the page 200, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And it was just fascinating how things work. and, 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 you know, so everything was interesting for me biology, geography, math, languages, I loved languages especially, uh, also physics, chemistry, like everything was fascinating and, and I was probably lucky because I had, had uh, fairly fantastic teachers at in my, in my high school. Um, but when people were, would ask me, okay, what do you want to be? Uh, I think I would, at some point, I would ask, oh, I'll either a lawyer or a doctor, probably, because those were the 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 jobs, the occupations that carried somehow the most prestige. So it was expected, like, oh well, if you if you do well in school, so you're probably gonna be a doctor or a lawyer, one of those mm-hmm. two. And then with the advent of, of, of languages, and when I understood that I love them a lot, then uh, started leaning a little bit towards maybe diplomacy would be nice. Yeah. Also sounds good, huh? Mm-hmm. Mr. Ambassador, your excellency, you know, there's yeah, yeah. there's a ring to it. So <laughs> and And so I ended up studying international relations, actually, international economic relations, and and even worked sort of in the the field for about two years. But what I found was that it didn't click with me. It was not maybe boring, but but it was putting me in positions that I didn't like. Um, Interacting with people, not... In 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 real life, but interacting with people on the business level, just you know, I I talk to you because I want a deal, and then I don't care anymore. Um, it was requiring a lot of sort of facade and and pretend and things like that, which which I didn't like. And what I then noticed was that actually, since high school, every single thing I did. Somehow ended up with teaching. In high school, I had um, I had a friend who was struggling with uh, with English, and, and so I would tutor him. In college, I was a part of this this student NGO called Isaac, and and what I ended up doing there, which I enjoyed the most, was uh, being a trainer. So delivering trainings on soft skills, things like that. When I went to Colombia, what I did there was. Uh, a, well, I worked for the Red Cross, but in my free time, I would organize conferences for college students to teach them how to teach others, how to train. You know? Before that, when I was in the U.S., I would teach uh, Latino immigrants English. You know? That was in Texas, so you know. Then, when I um, when I worked for for that uh, you know diplomacy diplomacy thingy. I ended up organizing workshops for entrepreneurs, teaching them how to work with foreign countries, how to export, et etc. et cetera. Mm. Always, always ended up with teaching. And and at some point, I started teaching at one of the high schools here in Bratislava just in my free time, basically for free, mm. just out of, I don't know, it just, just made so much sense. It was fun. It was cool. Mm. It was the part of the week that I looked forward to the most. Uh-huh. Out of the whole week, those two hours and two hours, they were... Um, were top so, so at some point I was just like okay well dude like Maybe. I think I think your mind is trying to tell you something here right teaching is your thing <laughs> yeah exactly so no more no more doctor no more lawyer no more
0: mm-hmm. you know diplomat but but uh, but yeah teacher do your uh, do your parents happy with this like did, did they want you also to become a teacher or oh no something else what they want <laughs> you <They laughs> to, to become
1: they wanted me to be pretty much anything but a teacher. Uh, because well, my, my grandma was a teacher and, and, you know, like she was a village teacher, teaching small kids, so not much money, not much anything. And, and when I was growing up, that was uh, the early 90s and well, the whole of 90s really, um, the, the position of a teacher was a very, very weak one mm-hmm. financially, but also when it came to sort of social social status. And so, so the the career of a teacher was considered to be a a no career at all, pretty much. Yeah. So my parents didn't want that for sure. But again, over time, if you go after your stuff and and if you if you sort of take the steps that you believe you need to take for your life to be meaningful, other people will start respecting that. And so, and so over time, my parents started seeing that actually I really enjoy what I'm doing, that I can actually survive and, and you know, pay my rent and, and feed myself. We spoke about my appetite. So feeding myself is actually mm-hmm. a major, major budget item there. And I can do all of that while doing something that, I'm, that I love doing and that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And when your parents see you happy,
0: then, then they're happy as well. And they're happy as well, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you this question to also understand about your current life because Estelle, you're a teacher which you described that, okay, wherever you went, you ended up teaching and then at some point you realized that maybe this is my thing. Maybe this is what I like, so I should pursue it, which is very, very interesting, like what you just did there and you now continue. So now I assume you're having a pretty good life. I'm very happy. With the career.
1: I'm very happy with the career. I'm very happy where I am. To the point I'm wondering, you know, um, is there is there even something better? Or is this really wow. the, the happiest uh, kind of uh, ty- type of Man, life that I could wow. have even had yeah, wow. at this stage?
0: Um, That's so, such a utopian life to have. <laughs> I'm bro- I'm very, <laughs> when I'm you're very happy, happy with your career <laughs> to this extent. I'm
1: very happy. I'm just thinking, what's going to, you know, is there going to yeah. be a
0: meteor that strikes or something? But <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if I if you're ready to answer this question, but let's see, let's try. Where is Pete going next? What is he planning to do next in his life? So you went to US, you went to South Africa, you have done a lot of interesting and incredible things. And now leave is, or like being here in Slovakia and organize and teaching and being in this community is, I, is it was one of your other experiences that you're currently doing. Where do you see, or where do you think you will go next? What is your next plan? Do you know at least? Not really.
1: Um, um, that was uh, <laughs> that was an interesting seven-year cycle. That again, not planned. I just noticed it at some point because I went to spend a year in the U.S. when I was when I was 16, and then I went to Colombia when I was 23, seven years later. And then I went to South Africa for a year when I was 30, again, seven years later. Wow. So I was thinking, well, if that's the seven-year <laughs> cycle that my life revolves around, then probably at 37, I should go and spend a year somewhere else. And, um, and there was one more region of, of, of the globe that was somehow interested, interesting for me. Um, and that was, that was East Asia. So, so, I was thinking, maybe I'll just go there for a year, you know, teach some school there or do something, whatever. And I might still do it at some point. I'm just not feeling it right now. Maybe, maybe I just settled down too much. You know, as you grow older, change becomes more complicated because you're less flexible, less adjustable and all of that. So, maybe that's one of the reasons. But I think another reason is that I'm really feeling happy here doing what I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. making sense to me. Like, I love Slovakia. You know, I love this country. I love mm-hmm. this region. Um, and and it makes a lot of sense to me to be trying to do something here um, that hopefully makes it a little better. And I uh, I love the fact that I can walk through the streets of Bratislava at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, and there's nothing, you know, you don't have to look over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that ten minutes from my house, you know, you have you have forests, and I live in the middle of the capital, right? Mm-hmm. You have forests, you have you have a river. You can you can go and, and, and inline skate you can it's just like so much diversity of stuff you can do in such a small Mm -hmm. (laughs) physical space it's it's difficult to find uh, in in other places so 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 i'm happy here um and and i think the question that you're asking is is a very valid one because one thing i hate is routine Mm -hmm. I, i hate routine it makes it boring for me very quickly now interacting with people breaks that routine definitely because mm-hmm. every single person is different, so the interaction is different. Um, but will I be able to be doing this job for another ten or twenty years? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Will I need to be looking for different, different positions within the job? Not positions as in, as in titles, but positions as in, will I need to be taking this teaching job from a different perspective? Uh, so now I now I teach and I um, and I sort of. Mentor advisor, I um, live in the in the in the residence with people where we interact. So will I at some point need to change that? Maybe I will need to be mentoring the mentors. Maybe uh, at some point I will need to be coordinating more and interacting directly less, and then come back to this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all possibilities. When I when I think of uh, my retirement, though, that's interesting. <laughs> It's just, again, just like a subconscious thing, but when I imagine it, I'm imagining myself actually sitting on a front porch of a little house in Vishtuk, in which is mm-hmm. a, a place where we are uh, building, a, building a campus, and and being there as a retired uh, faculty member, you know, just not teaching anymore, but uh, being 70 and Maybe watering my bonsai trees, you know, cutting the, the, the leaves and then hopefully if my back still bears it with me. I'm going for mushrooms in the, in the forest around. So um, I think my subconscious is saying uh, you love this place.
0: Mm-hmm. For now you're good. I'm good. I think a lot of things that happened to you was not all of them, I guess, planned. I think it just came to you. Was it like that? Like all your, your the experiences that you went through.
1: Yeah, I I never I never created huge plans for myself. It's like as in in, at sixteen I knew that at twenty I wanted to be here at twenty five I want to be here at thirty at thirty five at forty. I never had a plan like that. The plan that I did have, if you want to call it that, was to always be open to interesting opportunities when they go around. And that's what happened. Because interesting opportunities, they do walk around you. And if you keep your eyes open, like you do when you mushroom hunt, Mm -hmm. and you spot that opportunity, then, then you take it. And where that opportunity leads you? Many different places, possibly. There are some opportunities you like better. Well, some opportunities you like less, fair enough. You pick the ones that you like better because they are in line with your values or with what you what you feel like and stuff, fair enough. But it's very difficult to estimate how you're going to feel five years from now, what you're going to be struggling with and dreaming about ten years from now. At least for me it is. Mm-hmm. So so it's much easier for me to, to be in the moment because in the moment I know how I feel, in the moment I know what I need. And when that thing comes across, then I can say, well, OK, let me do that, because mm-hmm. now it makes sense for me. You know? One aspiration, <laughs> which is um, uh, somehow a little more funky, I guess, if you want to call it that, which I have had long term, it's not how much money I want to make or where I want to be or stuff, but it's a little more internal. Um, and, and ever since I was a teenager, I was, I was admiring wise people you know these people that, that have some sort of wisdom in them where you can come to them and they can talk about life and they can talk about not just talk about it but but maybe ask you things that you have never thought about and and, um, and simply bring new perspectives and, and, and help you grow and and so that would be my maybe long-term goal my life goal yeah? but by the time I retire I would like to achieve at least some fragment of, of some sort of wisdom
0: mm-hmm. I see. Because uh, from how I'm seeing you, yeah, like you care a lot about, like, I, I believe experiences, like doing different things. And also, you mentioned that you hate routine. You still want to, like, break things. Even even now that I, I see it myself, that how much you're enjoying what you're doing. But it's still at some point, I, I feel like you might go also to other experiences, other adventures, to see, like, how it is.
1: It's possible uh, it's, it's definitely possible and that would conform mm-hmm. to the pattern of my life thus far yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if that if that happens if at some point i start feeling like yeah i need a i need a break i need a change of uh, change of scenery then that's that's what
0: mm-hmm. i'll try to do well, like uh, the reason why i was asking about your teaching and also it's good that you have mentioned how much like you you're enjoying now and also how many times you actually experience seeing yourself as a teacher here i see the value of passion I see that now if you're happy with what you're doing, so it's probably uh, teaching was what you found also, so passion to yourself. So what would be your point on passion, especially for young people trying to find your passion? Like how is it, what, for example, for you, I feel like you have done things and then you saw that, oh, shit, I, uh, maybe I like this. So what would be you know, like some some takeaways or advice you could give for young people when it comes to, so them finding their passion
1: so uh, the the fortunate thing is that we we live in a world where it's fairly it's fairly easy to to get by somehow you know? there are many ways how, how you can earn money there are many ways how how you can uh, uh, there are many things you can study you know there and, and then you've studied diplomacy and you can still go and um, and work for the ministry of, of, um, of, I don't know, finance or something. You can study finance and still then go and teach. You can study teaching, but work as, a, I don't know, as an accountant. Yeah? You can study accounting. And go. So, what you study is one thing. What you end up doing is another thing. Mm-hmm. And so, people people... sometimes tend to look at a certain measurable that they want to achieve. For example, I want to have a salary that starts with a three and has at least four digits yeah? mm-hmm. And then they look at the jobs that most most frequently bring that kind of salary. right So if I want to have a you know 3,000 on my account, Every month, probably I need to be either a doctor or that lawyer that I mentioned, you know, or I need to start a business or something like that. And then and then they start going after that that career. Where I see that not working for me personally, and I suspect for for, for others, for um, at least some other people as well, is that if you're trying to do something that you don't really love doing, then a, you won't be putting as much energy and effort into it. B, you won't be spending as much time on it, really. And C, you won't even be enjoying yourself. Meaning that you probably, you know, feel feel stressed, angry, irritated, which all three of these will be making you less great at your job. And so maybe you will get those three salaries, those those you know those. Uh, Four numbers starting with a three on your on your account as a salary. But maybe you'll get fired halfway through because, because you just don't do a good job. Or maybe you'll mm-hmm. burn out halfway through because you're not doing something that makes sense to you. And so for me, following your passion sort of flips this. And the way the logic goes there is, well, you do something that you love doing. You're going to spend more time on it. Like some, some of my weeks, if you look at my calendar, have 90 hours scheduled of stuff. Yeah? Wow. 90 hours scheduled. Plus there's unscheduled stuff. So sometimes you get to 100 hours per week. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, how much money would somebody have to pay you to work for 100 hours per week mm-hmm. if you didn't love doing it? Yeah. You know? And because you do it more, because you dedicate more time to it, you get better at it because you practice it a lot. And if, if it sort of matches with some maybe maybe innate uh, I don't want to call it talents or whatever that you have, then then there can be a lot of growth in there. And and if you get really really good at, at your job at what you do, almost no matter what you do, you'll end up earning well in the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, so you'll get to that goal that you wanted, but you'll get there around. And and by by getting there through a sort of a detour. You will have seen other things on the way. You have, will have gone through other experiences on the way that will actually then make even that main activity that you end up doing, whether it's teaching or whatever, make it richer. Because now you can connect with more things and, and, and now it's it makes more sense. everything. And now the... the, the Big question is then if we are saying, well, you should follow your passion and you know do what you're passionate about, how do you know what your passion is? Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because how do you know? Mm-hmm. And and I don't have a very smart answer to that. I have, <laughs> I have a very dumb one. And that is do a lot of different things and always listen to what your brain is telling you. Mm-hmm. Listen to how you feel. And if if something you do starts feeling really great maybe do it more maybe after a year you'll figure out okay it felt great for three months but after a year okay sorry no yeah Mm -hmm. that happens okay try try a different thing
0: it's the same thing with your teaching journey like you mentioned earlier that you went to us you you were teaching uh, English to Latinos and then you went to another place another place so after like some attempts you actually found out that this is what you enjoy so probably what you're saying is also like can be applicable to others and also what i really like agree is that if you don't try things so how do you know whether you like it or not so i feel like that when you were trying to figure out your passion you also have done so many other things that you didn't enjoy and teaching was what ticked you like it was ticked you and then you, you decided to follow it further And then at some point you found that, that, okay, this is what I like. Exactly. I think uh, because, yeah, like passion is like one thing, but I think what makes it more tricky is like, what is it then? How do you find it?
1: Yeah. And often, maybe to make it less less random, often many activities that you do and that you can try, they have sub-elements to them, right? If you want to try translating, then the sub-elements are, you know, working with text, sitting on your chair for eight hours, um, uh, no, working working with clients, etc. If you uh, and if you try, I don't know, if you try consulting, okay, uh, you still work with clients, but you don't sit on your chair that much, but you move around more, and uh, you use Excel a lot, and uh, um, you, know, you probably have to do a lot of research and stuff. And so you can also look at which part of this job that I'm doing right now? Which part of this main activity that I'm dedicating my time to right now, is the one that I enjoy the most? Okay. Okay. So maybe it was that research that I loved so much in that whole consulting thing. The rest sucked, but the research was great. And I and I remember and I noticed that before, when I was uh, doing those translations, what I really loved was when there was an unknown word, and then I could, I could just search Google for for an hour trying to understand what that word meant. Mm-hmm. you know So these things are starting to build a picture, paint paint some sort of a canvas and, and okay so maybe something with research is what I might try next. Okay? maybe something with exploring something with understanding new things, etc you know? and then
0: sort of guides you but you need to listen to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. What are what are your hobbies? You have already mentioned mushroom hunting a couple of times, I believe that is one of your hobbies. You enjoy that a lot. What are the some other hobbies you have? It is, it is. Mushroom hunting
1: is a big one because it combines a com- couple of things. One, it's pretty much the sole source of my physical activity because <laughs> I hate, I don't hate sports, I just suffer in sports mm-hmm. very much and uh, I dislike you know, gyms and things like that it don't make sense. So, so in order not to turn into a piece of furniture, uh, then this actually keeps me moving, and also has a culinary aspect to it. If you find mm-hmm. it, has an aspect of ex- exploration. Yeah, um, is great for introverts because you get to be <laughs> alone in the forest. I mean, how more remote can you actually go? And and it's also something that ties to my childhood because when we were kids, we used to go mushroom hunting with my parents a lot. So it, it, it somehow connects, you know. And it has the aspect of knowledge because you need to understand different mushrooms. You don't want to poison yourself, for example, or people that you've just invited for dinner. Mm-hmm. So, so you need to research a lot. And there's a, so, so that makes a lot of sense to me. And I hope to be able to do it for, for as long as possible. Apart from that, um, I already mentioned books. Mm-hmm. I, like, I love reading books. Nothing big though. Mm-hmm. Nothing too smart. What kind of books do you read? Uh, bro honestly detective stories where you know there's a there's a murderer or something happens and then there's a detective that's uh, catching the the, the guy mm. that's about it <laughs> and uh whether it's some Slovak authors or whether it's um it's international like Nezbo and stuff that 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 does it for me mm-hmm. relaxing i get lost in the story i love that fantasy is another thing i love fantasy mm-hmm. I mean, lord of the rings is a classic but um, <laughs> So, so, yeah. so, those things where I can, um, I've always loved reading, even as a kid. So, that mm-hmm. one has stayed with me. So, my second hobby. And apart from that, um, I mean, food is a hobby of <laughs> mine, to be honest. It's always a little celebration. It's um, an easy hobby. It is. I, I collect coins, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one also has a certain... Certain connecting lines, there's a certain system that you need to create in that in our collection. And, and, and I love things that last. So if in my apartment, if you look, you'll see quite a lot of old things that I mm-hmm. found in an attic. There's a piece of metal that my grandpa used to use to, to mm-hmm. do printing. And there's, um, but, but most of those things are made of, made of metal, made of something that lasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that. I like the longevity of it, plus it's shiny. <laughs> 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 so so I do that as well. And then traveling could be another hobby. Yeah. I like to go somewhere abroad at least once per year. But, well, obviously, not last year. But
0: Speaking of uh, traveling, you went to Iran. Yeah. And also you went to some other countries. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know, like, uh, you went to... Uh, I mean, I I know Iran. I've been there myself as well. And I, when I compare Iran to actually West or even to Slovakia, there is a huge difference. A lot of things are different in terms of people, in terms of their perspective, culture, everything. How was it for you when you went to Iran and also some other countries that were kind of different from here?
1: Um, my my sort of impression of Iran is very 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 superficial. Because I only spent three days there, mm-hmm. I cannot I cannot begin to pretend that I understand the country at all. So all I can share are some some snapshots, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know? And the first snapshot that I remember was um, on a train from from Turkey to Tehran. Uh, there was this guy with uh, with an Ahura Mazda uh, pendant mm. uh, around his neck, like a super friendly guy. We we talked a lot and stuff. And, and at some point, he just bought us food, bought us lunch. I'm just like, dude, but you know, I mean, why are you buying us lunch? Like, no, guys, like, welcome to Iran, you know, <laughs> like, just your guests. So, so yours. and it was it was amazing. Like it was it was rice with meat, and with small red berries. I don't know if they were cranberries or something, but, mm. but um, I don't want to mis uh, mis misidentify them, but but that, that food was fantastic. So, fantastic food, friendly, hospitable people, that's another snapshot. And then, having come to, to Tehran itself, it was quite, uh, you know, quite a unique experience because we were three backpackers, you know doing a very low-cost thing. Uh, it was, I guess, 12, 13 years ago. And so, uh, you know, looking for a hostel, it was fun, but and, and we found a hostel, which was just, just beautiful and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't cost a, a fortune. But Then I was looking for a, um, for a postcard to send to my grandma because, mm-hmm. you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to send her an email or, or what, you know? She, she, well, she recently died. She was 99, you know, so, you know, postcards were something that she grew up with. But I just couldn't find a postcard. Mm-hmm. So I ended up coming to one hotel in Tehran. And I asked the concierge, like, excuse me, sir, but I'm just looking for a postcard and a, and a magnet for, for another friend. And I just can't find them. He's like, well, there is a shop, but they're closed now. But you know what? I'll go there tomorrow morning, and I'll have them sent to your house where you are staying. Just leave me the money for the, for the postcard and the, the, the magnet, and I'll do it. And I was thinking, a concierge from a completely different hotel, hours He had nothing to do with me, and he was willing to use his time to help me. Mm-hmm. And I found that fascinating. And I left the money there. The postcard and the magnet were in our hostel the next morning, exactly as he promised. Wow, that was that was that was fantastic for me. And then we were walking through the streets, streets of Tehran, um, and. You know, we wanted to try the food, so so uh, we found this, this street, I, I don't recall the name anymore, unfortunately, um, and, and found this one restaurant, and we ordered so much good food. I'm even getting hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were just walking randomly. We wanted to go somewhere, but then we didn't find the way because, well, you know, three Slovaks in a big city, because, you know, Bratislava and Teheran. Huh? And, and so we were just like walking through the streets and we happened randomly in the whole of Tehran, which has, what, three, four million, I don't know how big Tehran is. Yeah? We managed to find the house where the Tehran conference after World War II was held, Okay, out of the whole city, completely randomly, yeah? which is somewhere in the, in, the, in the hilly part, not even in the center anymore. Wow. So, so a lot of very, very happy accidents um, yeah. that, that happened there. Um, look, you know the political situation is one thing; mm-hmm. people are another thing. Yeah. So obviously, you see you see uh, some some uh, buildings with high fences and things like that, and you see that, fair enough. But what we saw mostly were were just wonderful, friendly people. Even one lady actually was uh, was driving, and she saw that we were kind of lost, so she actually gave us a gave us a ride somewhere. So incredibly friendly people, young people talking English, speaking English very well. Even some old people, actually, mm-hmm. speaking English very well, which wouldn't happen here <laughs> so much. Um, and the general impression was, was was great. I loved it. Unfortunately, just three days.
0: So d- traveling, that you went to Iran, and this you actually managed to highlight it pretty well. You summarized your experience, and from my understanding, it was... Uh, It was an interesting experience for you to go through. So when you said, because you said traveling is also one of the things you like to do. So would you like to go mostly to these kind of crazy countries, (laughs) like places that are like different so much from your culture? Or would you, would you, is it like something you would like to do more often? Go to like countries where you have never been there and everything is different there and you don't know what to expect.
1: Yes and no. What matters to me a lot is who I travel with,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, again, introvert, you know, so I need to be comfortable with the person that I'm traveling. So very often a friend is going somewhere and it's like, hey, do you want to join? I'm like, sure. Let's go. (laughs) 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 Almost matters less where I go than with whom I go. Mm -hmm. And so last year, not last year, it's been almost two years ago now, wow, it was 2019, we went with one of the one of the current alumni, and uh, ended up going to going to Spain, Gibraltar, mm. and even Portugal. And it was a wonderful trip, completely random because right, where would you go? So we went there, um, uh, and and it's not like a you know it's not a country that's you know too far or too different. You know, just Spain mm. and Portugal. But still, we managed to see so much great stuff, you know, wonderful people, tried great food, et cetera, et cetera. So the experience was also fantastic. Um, when I try to get to know a country, I try to get to know it um, more deeply. Mm-hmm. So, so if I actually went somewhere with the purpose of really sort of understanding the differences, really understanding, I would need to go there for a year or, mm-hmm. or for something like that at least. Yeah, you know, these short visits, you know, one two weeks, uh, you know, tourist. That's more to just see and get an impression and maybe try something new and Mm -hmm. it enriches you in a way superficially but more difficult to enrich you deeply perhaps with one exception and that's it helps you keep sane because what you often see in the media is oh you know uh, North Korea is doing this Mm -hmm. Cuba is doing this Russia is doing this. And what that often often does in our brain is it it makes it seem like all the people of that country are doing that. But then you travel there and you see that is not the case. Mm -hmm. That people are people. And so even short tourist trips, whatever you want to call them, to countries that are close to you, but also countries that are very different and far from you, whatever, they help you reinforce the idea that we are just people. We are just humans with the same desires, same dreams perhaps. Different shapes of those, but fundamentally the same. And there's good people living everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. because uh, also here at LEAF you guys are having student, international students from like other countries. I see it because uh, for me, like I I remember once I was telling you. So I was w- watching this YouTube channel. There was I forgot his name unfortunately, but there is one guy who is actually looking like you, <laughs> looking like you. He's a foodie guy and actually he he's also traveling around the world <laughs> and exploring food. And one day when I watched, I said, "Man, this is Peter's job. Pete, this, this is Peter himself, <laughs> but he doesn't know he's going around. But that's what Peter should do because." From how I see you, you're also kind of guy who just loves experiencing new things. And so that's why for me, it became interesting to see how about countries where, which kind of place would you like to go? So, so you're saying when
1: I, when I take a sabbatical out of leaf, I should probably go around the world and trying the different cuisines and writing <laughs> about it Yeah, and getting paid
0: for that. I like it. You like it, right? I like it very much. Yeah. yeah. Like when I, like I was watching much. that guy on YouTube, I was saying, man, this is Peter. Peter loves food. Peter loves traveling. Peter loves, like, maybe also sharing with others. Like, okay, not your food, but you know, <laughs> maybe it would be too much to do, but uh, it's mostly about your videos, like which the guy is doing on his channel. Peter, I think uh, we had a very, very wonderful conversation. I re- really actually loved. There was also a lot of things that me as your friend, I didn't know about it, but uh, the human interaction, the human investment, these things that you're doing, the amount of time you're spending is very incredible. Like, you're spending your time with people. You're trying to help help them. You're trying to learn from them and inspire them. And most importantly, all these experiences that you have gone through, I think it's a very, very inspirational thing. And I think you're still at the middle of journey. Like, you're 37 years old, right? 37, yeah. 37, I think you're still... I have, <laughs> have a lot to go with. So I wish you'd be so like with that. Why don't you give our audience maybe one, two, three, or your favorite advice in terms of dear life with human interaction or whether it's about passion, anything you would like to tell our audience? Whether it's an advice, a message, anything. So uh, a
1: final message that will be that will be smart, yeah. That's the that's the Up to you. You yeah. can oh, okay. <laughs> you can keep it anyways.
0: Okay, (laughs) so
1: a a quick recipe for life uh, for Pete. No, I don't think I have one. I don't think I have one. Maybe maybe one thing to share that I try to use to guide my own actions, and that's um, do what makes you happy, do what makes sense to you, and in all that you do, just make sure you're not hurting others. And that, in the end, you're helping build the world so that when you leave it, it's going to be at least slightly, slightly better
0: than it was when you entered it. Mm -hmm. Wow, mic drop. (laughs) Mic drop, yeah. Thank you so much, brother, for having this session here we I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, not uh, beside that i have learned a lot about you about your experiences and there was also a lot of ideas that i was already imagining in my head that okay because pete is still someone somebody older than me that for me as a young person it was very interesting to see how you did your life okay what are the things that i can do i think the story of your passion was one of the most inspiring thing for me personally how did you manage to find it because even me, I'm struggling to find that and see that. But thanks so much for sharing. Thanks so much for coming. Thank it you. It was man. a pleasure to have you, brother. So it, was, it was fantastic. to. It was amazing. Talking. Alright, guys, so we are ending our today's episode in here. I hope you enjoyed listening to Peter Ritkowski, which he also introduced himself at the beginning. He's an interesting and inspirational person. He's an entrepreneur. He's a teacher. He's a mentor. And he is a person who loves doing things and experiencing new things. And there is a lot to say about Peter. He has always a big intro, but I hope you love this session. For the next session, if you would like, you can give me suggestion. you can give me feedback, you can reach out to me on Instagram, anything that works for you. So we are going to end today's episode here and looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a great time, stay legendary, stay active and be passionate in your life. Have a great time. Bye.